you kind of take your monthly revenue, your monthly profit, and you can earn a multiplier between, you know, 30 to 40 X what that is. So really three years of what your monthly revenue is. So, you know, a site making $800 a month, you can sell for 20,000, kind of like we just purchased. Welcome to The Fi Show, where you'll get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Fi Show. Today, we have on Kellen Klein, one half of the savvy couple, is going to talk about how he built his blog to a multi-six-figure business. But before we get into all that, let me check in my co-host, Justin. What is going on, man? Just wrapping up a crazy weekend of concerts and trying to catch up on some sleep. Uh, we had ACL or Austin City Limits, if you've never heard of it. So uh, not too many places you can go and listen to Miley Cyrus, Megan Thee Stallion, George Strait, MGK, so on and so on, all in one venue. So that was, that was pretty cool. How about yourself, Cody? Well, I definitely saw some of those Snapchats. It looked like you were having an absolute blast just showing, again, a plethora of artists from every single genre, from country to rap to rock, all this different stuff. I have been crazy busy traveling. We've been kind of exploring all over. I know last episode I was in Athens. We took a ferry to Paros after that, explored the island. It's kind of like a, you know, the big ones you hear about are Mykonos and Santorini. Those are like the Grecian islands you have to go to. We got a recommendation that we should check out Paros. It's like a smaller, similar version of Mykonos, except it's not as touristy. So that was completely true. Most of the people were locals. The food was amazing. Everyone was super nice. The whole city, the towns were super quaint and cute. Then we ended up taking a ferry down to Santorini. So we did go to one of the touristy places, have this awesome place by the bay, down by a moody bay. And, you know, we have a beautiful sunset every night. It's been awesome. The food has been definitely one of the highlights. The Greek people do it right when it comes to food. And excited for the next couple of weeks, kind of traveling around and seeing some of the other places. I'm assuming it was nothing but wall-to-wall yogurt, or is that wrong? <laughs> There's a lot more than that. There's a lot more Greek food than that. You got the Euros and the Souvlakis <laughs> and all that other good stuff. <laughs> but Justin, that's enough about my travels. I'll definitely keep people updated as we kind of explore throughout all of Greece. And maybe I'll do a roundup post and send it out to all the Five Show subscribers. So if you're not on our email list, definitely hit subscribe there. But today on the show, we have on Kellen Klein, one half of the Savvy Couple, and this guy's story is pretty amazing in that he started this blog, The Savvy Couple, with his wife. They kind of had different backgrounds when it came to money. He was always the entrepreneurial type where he was trying all these different businesses and learning how to make more money. And his wife, Brittany, comes from the more frugal mindset where she'd always be clipping coupons, figuring out how she could get the best deal. So they end up collaborating, building this brand together. And what actually caused Kellen to jump ship and go full force into this blogging operation was that he (laughs) got $50 for a sponsored post. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to quit my current job. We're going to go into this full force. So in the episode, we get to talk about some of the systems he's built, how they've gone from just two people working on nights and weekends to having a full-fledged team with multiple sites that they're running and everything that it takes to build a successful website. Yeah, and for the listeners out there, if you're interested in learning more about how they built these systems and just how to get in contact with them and keep up with their journey as they continue to spread and buy more websites and, and build their team and just really make this machine of a business, you can do all that at thefyshow.com slash Kellen. That's thefyshow.com slash K-E-L-A-N. Take it away, Kellen. So my parents were kind of always incorporating the kids into the personal finance, talking about the budget, talking about saving money, being frugal. 
never really about online business or business in general, but my first introduction to really kind of doing a side hustle or making any kind of income, I was, I think, 11 years old. And there's some stuff laying around the house and eBay was a thing back then. This would have been 2001. And my dad kind of introduced me to it and he, he wanted me to like hop on and help him kind of write the description, all this stuff. And, and we ended up selling, I forget what it was, but we ended up selling it and making money and he split half with me. And that's what kind of got my mind thinking of this business, this business mindset. Before that, I mean, I was doing lemonade stands and doing car washes in the neighborhood, all this type of stuff. So I've always had the entrepreneur mindset, always been hustling and stuff. But the, the selling on eBay really got me to open my eyes on the possibilities of being kind of location independent and making money online. And it's just like mind blowing that we could sell something online and ship it to someone and make an income. So it's pretty cool. Then other than that, yeah, my, my dad and mom, they they always brought me along on their like investment uh, chats with their financial advisor. So super involved, both very frugal, both very good with their money. I was super blessed to kind of have that background. And then, you know, me and Brittany got married. We came from two totally different backgrounds. And we started dating when we were in ninth grade. So money wasn't really talked about then. But when we started college and started taking out student loan debt, we really talked about money and, and got on the same page and went through a lot of stuff together. And you just mentioned college. I'm curious, you know, especially for folks who do really start finding that entrepreneurial bug early, if it ever crossed your mind to just forgo college and just to start up your own business, you know, that didn't require that kind of education. Honestly, I never thought that entrepreneurship was going to be a path for me. I knew it was going to be something I'd side hustle all the time. I'd have extra ways to make income, extra, you know, streams of passive income. But it was always a goal since I was like 15 years old to be a police officer and then kind of got into that law enforcement career after switching jobs and, and finally getting my dream job in law enforcement. And it turned out to be kind of the pit that got me to try entrepreneurship full time. I think I read that you got a degree in business administration. How does that kind of funnel into a jail deputy job? Yeah. So I actually went on a ride along when I was 14 and I asked them like, what major should I get in college? And they said anything but law enforcement, because everything that you're going to need you're going to learn in the academy. So they want well-rounded individuals. So business always, you know, piqued my interest. So I definitely kind of went for that. And when you thought you wanted to become a police officer versus when you started becoming this jail deputy, I guess, what was the biggest disconnect? I mean, obviously when I hear it, I can, I can think of some things where it doesn't sound like as a, because my dad was a sheriff and I know it was like a jail deputy, you're not getting into the kind of investigative work that maybe you had your mindset on. Yeah, exactly. Well, it was going to be a stepping stone. So I, I plan on joining as a jail deputy, which a lot of people do in our county, um, and then kind of working my way up and becoming road patrol. And after two and a half years, I did apply and went through the whole process for road patrol, got the offer. But at that point, I already kind of set my fate of I'm done with law enforcement. I'm done getting forced overtime. I don't want anything to do with the stress, um, with the terrible hours, with you know having to work holidays and weekends and me and Brittany kind of sat down and talked like we want a big family and we're, we're all about family and having complete control over our time. So it's like the exact opposite of what I wanted in life. So yeah, I kind of put all my eggs in one basket and it ended up being the wrong one, but it was, it was something, it was a whole journey that I had to go through to kind of figure out that the nine to five was not for me. So I wouldn't trade it for anything. It doesn't quite sound like all your eggs were in one basket though, if I'm not mistaken. Like were you still side hustling at that point? Because you're doing the Amazon FBA all through college. You're doing businesses. I mean, when you're 11 years old, I can't imagine you just shut that off completely. Yeah, I was still still flipping items on, on eBay and doing Amazon. So yeah, you're correct. I wasn't, it wasn't all in one basket. So I, I definitely had options. And at the same time, I'm trying to remember the timeline. I did end up going back to become a home inspector as well. So I was kind of doing that and going to school to become a home inspector. 
Um, and then the same amount of time or the same time frame, we kind of started the blog and, and saw that it would be just a side hustle at the time. And it kind of came to the fork in the road, like, okay, time to decide, are you going to do home inspection business or this online blog thing? And thank God we picked the online business because especially through, through this COVID, it would have been a disaster with home inspections. And I'm always curious when people are talking about kind of making that leap, like you've got that decision, what it was that made you feel comfortable enough. I'm sure it wasn't extremely comfortable, but comfortable enough to go towards this online business. Like what were you seeing that made you thought this was viable? So people laugh every time I say this, but our blog, so we were nine months into blogging. Um, we knew it was going to be probably a year before we saw any income. And this was us hustling nonstop day and night, um, with our full-time jobs. And on that ninth month, we got a sponsored post for $50 and which is ridiculous right now. Um, thinking back and that was kind of the spark that a week later I went to Brittany and this was, you know, after I already tried so many jobs and I was complaining every day to her that I hated law enforcement. I was ready to do something new. And I said, Hey, we've been saving money. We've been knocking out debt. I think it's time for me to jump and do this full time. So after we made that $50, we made that jump and I ended up going full time into blogging. So I definitely want to just kind of paint a picture of Brittany and she's not here to represent herself, but you guys are the savvy couple. You know, you do this thing as a duo. Could you give us a little bit about her background, her money habits, her just financial acumen? So I, I came from a family. My dad was an engineer. My mom was a school counselor, you know, middle class, well off, very educated in money and, and her family kind of the opposite. They kind of struggled financially. They've always done their best. Her parents separated at a young age. So it was kind of her mom pulling all the income in and, and really helping, you know, run the family on one single income. And they didn't really budget. They didn't really talk about money much. It was kind of just a thing like 78% of the families in the, the U.S. kind of live in paycheck to paycheck. So she was always extremely frugal, cutting coupons and, and stretching the dollar just like her mom did. So, And she's very risk adverse. I love risk. So we literally in every aspect of life kind of pair each other and are a good complement for each other. I was literally just about to ask, as, as someone who grew up more in, in her shoes, like more in that low income part of America, if she has trouble kind of shedding herself from that scarcity mindset because that's the thing we often see, whether it be somebody moving over from like a third world country or just somebody being, you know, raised in a poor part of the country. Yeah, I think uh, to get her to leave her job, we had to hit a certain amount of income. And I, I think back in when we were making that decision, it was $10,000 a month that the blog was bringing in. And one of the biggest things was the health insurance and the scarcity mindset of, do we have enough saved up in the bank that if this were to crumble around us, would we be able to find jobs and be okay financially? And she's always put a ton of trust in me with the finances, specifically with the investing. And then we both do the budgeting very heavily together. She kind of came with that, you know, frugal, very savvy mindset. And I'm more, you know, go all, go all in, take risk, high risk, high reward type of guy. So yeah, we just, we compliment each other. And I think over the years, so she's been working on the blog over two years now, she's realized how powerful it is to own your own business and that you can literally give yourself raises on your own. You can 2X your income year after year. It's crazy to think about, you know, sticking in a teaching job versus what we're able to do now with our online business. So I think she's really been able to switch that mindset around of, we can always make more money. Savings great, especially when you're paying off debt, but you know, the real wealth accelerator is learning how to make more money and increases stream of incomes. 
as a what you call a high risk, high reward type of guy, did you struggle with budgeting and spending? Like, was it like, okay, awesome. I just made $10,000. Let's go, you know, buy the newest car or buy the latest gadgets. And did Brittany kind of reel you in? Or what did that look like from your budgeting perspective? Yeah, that's a good question. So I am very impulsive by nature. So we have Amazon packages coming like every day to our house. But when it comes to like big purchases and being frugal and being smart and savvy with our money, I'm actually very good at that. I think that comes from back when I was, you know, a younger person, a younger kid, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old, when your parents are telling you to get a job, I was like, if I can just spend way less money and just make a little bit online, they won't keep haggling me to get a job. So I just got that frugal mindset of like, if I can just cut my expenses like crazy and, and really help pay for what they want me to pay for on what I'm doing online, then I don't need to get a real job. And that's just, I kind of lazy, honestly, but it's, it's helped me stay frugal. And what about like the creation of the savvy couple? Was it ever crossing your mind that maybe you would just go and do a blog on your own? It was an idea that maybe you had, or was it always like we knew from the start that this was going to be about us as a couple or from that, at least from that viewpoint as a couple? We came across the idea of starting a blog, looking at Michelle Schroeder from Making Sense of Sense and Bobby Hoyt from Millennial Money Man. They both were doing income reports at the time. And we just, we were like blown away, like, holy crap, you can make this much money blogging. And then from that point on, it was, it was never a question of like, am I going to do this on my own? It was always, we're going to do this together. We come from very different backgrounds. Our family and friends are always asking both of us, like they're asking Brittany how to save money. And then they're asking me the side hustle part of things. So again, it was just always going to do it together. And, and that's how we came up with the, the savvy couple. And so I know for me, when I first started blogging, I had no idea what I was doing. Like I saw these other people, like some of the people you named, like Michelle and Bobby, and even even you guys had started before me and just all these powerhouses in the personal finance space. So I would go and like try to write these articles and try to make affiliate income and try to get sponsorships. But I seriously had no idea what I was doing. Like when I made my first, it was 50 bucks, just like you. I was ecstatic. But there's so many things now that if I was going and building a blog from scratch that I'd do differently, what would you do differently? Yeah, kind of went through the same thing. Blogging has a huge learning curve and we kind of jumped into it not knowing a thing either. I kind of knew about affiliate sites and blogging like way back in the early 2000s and I kind of blew it off like that's stupid and you can't make money from that, which I really wish I didn't because it would have been nuts where we'd be at today. But yeah, there's a big learning curve and I think when we first started, like the very first article we wrote was how to make the most of Steelers training camp because people wanted to know that. Um, <laughs> being that we were Steelers fans and we could save money at the Steelers training camp. That was like our, our first blog post. So going back, it's all a mindset shift. You're, you're a business and you need to, it's not a hobby. If you want to make money blogging, you got to treat it like a business from day one. So what do businesses do? They solve problems. So you need to figure out who your readers are going to be and then help figure out what their pro their pain points are, their problems and how you can solve that with content. So it's all about switching that mindset of, you know, talking about yourself and what your story is, which you can totally incorporate into your blog posts and, and write your story and inspire people and motivate people. But at the end of the day, it's it's creating content that's around your your reader's problems and solving that. So it's what's in it for me, for your reader. And that actually like goes into exactly where my questions were going to be was kind of that, how do you go from just being someone who maybe has a good story, is smart on finances, you know, is a decent writer to actually where it starts making the money. Now, I know you just talked about from a mindset perspective, making sure you're writing towards an audience and solving their problems and not just writing about what you want to write about. Are there any kind of little tactical things, mechanics, as far as the way the website is set up or the things you need to do on the website that is different between, you know, just a passion project and something that you're actually trying to make a real business? 
Yeah, I think uh, going back to the question, like what would I do starting over? It's I would focus on search engine optimization. So doing your keyword research, knowing what categories you're going to have on your site and really planning out like a customer journey of, okay, we're going to start with this silo of content, build it all out, and then kind of move on to the next one. And I think what helped us, I think blogging's obviously gotten a little bit more difficult as time goes on. It's it's better to start like a niche site that's very focused and then go broad. And we've, with the Savvy Couple, we kind of went super niche on frugal saving money. And then we went super broad with the Pinterest stuff, trying to get moms to read our blog. And then we've kind of focused back into our our core personal finance, saving money, making money, budgeting. But it's, yeah, it's it's really focusing on SEO, doing your keyword research and that's kind of where you can start. And then it's, you know, incorporating and finding your voice. Like you said, I was I was not a personal finance expert when we started. We just kind of started it because people were always asking us questions. So we started writing content about what others were asking us around us and our family and our friends, kind of building it out from there. And then over time, you know, we've just dove headfirst into personal finance and really become experts on a ton of different categories. In terms of productivity, because I think this is something that a lot of new business owners, new entrepreneurs struggle with, especially if you can think back to when you first started out, did you have a certain schedule where you're trying to get a certain number of blog posts on a week? Were you spending this much time on social media? Were you spending X number of hours on SEO and keyword research? We will be right back to the show after this quick word from our amazing sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs. Today, many small business owners are busier than ever, and I can definitely attest to this. So much time spent searching for, interviewing the wrong candidates, the wrong people to hire for a job opening that could be spent on growing your business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has made it much easier to actually find candidates that are worth interviewing. So it's not just wasting your time. And the best part is that it's free. As someone who owns a couple small businesses, I can tell you how important it is to actually get that right team in place because once you start to outsource strategically, you can start to focus on the bigger picture stuff for your business. You can create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to find those perfect people to join your team. There's over 750 million people on the platform and there's candidates with every skill you can imagine and definitely one that can fit your wants and needs. Plus, with a company as big as LinkedIn, they do a really good job actually filtering through candidates and prioritizing who you'd like to interview, who you'd like to hire, and who's a good fit for your role. This is an opportunity to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash show. That's linkedin.com slash show to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, that's a great question. So the first day I went full-time blogging, I sat down at the computer and I was like, I'm just going to hustle. Like, that's how I'm going to win. It's just I'm going to out-hustle everyone. And I sat in front of the computer for 16 hours, probably got up to go to the bathroom and get a snack like once. And I was exhausted and my eyes were about to fall out. And it was the most unproductive day ever. <laughs> and it was, I was like, this sucks. I don't know why I'm trying to do this. Um, but yeah, I slowly figured out like productivity is huge. Coming up with systems and processes to help you along the way and kind of build a business from is, is going to really set you apart from other people. But as far as like productivity, I like getting up early, you know, five o'clock, getting my my really honed in hours in um, before the girls wake and before Brittany wakes up and really taking care of myself. I, I like to work out in the morning, read some, and then I get right to work and, and focus on the stuff that's high priority. And you kind of just build it out over time. When we were first starting, it was just me and Brittany on the weekends and after work, kind of like we were writing every single article. We were publishing three times a week. We were having a guest post every once in a while. And slowly but surely, we've been able to, you know, make enough money to build a team and, and really create a nice business that we can manage from the top and have people work with us and, and help create the content for us. So I had one question, which you kind of gave me a little bit of a hint towards when you mentioned that you grew your team and, and had some additional riders. But 
running a blog like this, after you've done it for a couple of years, you're putting out the amount of content that you're putting out. How hard is it to stay kind of like fresh and get new things out there and make sure that you're not just covering the same topics over and over again? Because obviously there's a lot of things in the personal finance space, but at the same time, you know, I could imagine after a couple of years, it kind of gets hard to not just talk about the same IRA budget, et cetera. Yeah, totally. I think what makes it fresh and exciting is being able to create content that is going to serve different purposes. So we have kind of a back end of our business where we create funnels around products that we sell. We're coming up with courses to create. We're coming up with a membership to run. So it's it's not so much focused on the content part. That part's awesome, but that's like the marketing. That's like the very first step of the business. And now we're kind of focusing on building out the systems for sales and fulfillment and operations. Um, as we kind of continue to grow our business. So it's fun to to play the SEO game and, and hand it off. And we've kind of come to the point where it's like almost always, it's almost completely hands off where I don't even touch the keyword list. We have an editor that kind of takes keywords, gives them to the freelance writers, does, does the outlines. They, they basically do everything and then hits publish. So we don't really even touch that. And it's just keeping an eye on that to make sure that the correct marketing for the savvy couple is leading people down to our products after we're solving their problems. And so as I was looking through your site, something I noticed, and I'm sure this was intentional or maybe, you know, maybe it came a couple of years after you first started, but it seems like you were very listicle heavy. And I'm just curious, why did you choose to go that route rather than writing a, just a monster blog post on a specific topic? So it's proven that listicles work well on social media. And I kind of back our second year in, we went heavy on Pinterest and they did really, really well on Pinterest. So yeah, it's kind of the psychology. It's easy bite size for people to read and, and our avatar is very busy. So our, our ideal readers, a working mom, a working husband, and, and they're very busy. So making a listicle where they can kind of scroll through and easily gather the information and get what they need out of the article has worked out really well. And how often are you updating those lists? Because I can imagine, let's say you have you know 20 best budgeting apps, like they're constantly changing. Some might shut down affiliate programs, some might change features and all that stuff. Like I can imagine it's a lot of work in the back end, but it seems like you might have that hired out at this point. Yeah. So we, we have our team do audits. Everyone's doing at least one, one audit uh, a month. So we're always constantly updating content and you kind of have to do that with the SEO game because like Justin said, everyone's creating the same type of content. So you got to be the fresh, the freshest and, and the best content out there. And the way to do that is to constantly be updating old content. And you've made a lot of references to this team. Are you able to kind of talk about what size this team is, what that journey looked like, how you, you know, just the, the whole, like how you decided we need more people to make this continue to grow? It was hard to, I think a lot of bloggers go through this. They're hustling like crazy and they're in the weeds. And they're making good money, but they are scared to kind of outsource anything because they feel like they need to have their hand on it. But yeah, it was just networking and talking to other other bloggers and like, how do I get out of the weeds here? And they're like, you got to hire out the stuff that's taking up the most time that's not bringing you in any income. So I actually read the book, Work Less, Make More, that was recommended to me. And it was it was one of the first business books that really just blew my mind. Like, holy crap, if I focus on this one thing of increasing my EHR, your effective hourly rate, everything else will fall into place. And it's using the Eisenhower chart to really mark down all your tasks and, and categorize them for your productivity to make sure you're focusing on the right quadrant and then outsourcing the rest. So I was easily able to kind of in work less, make more, he says, to write down every task you do on a post-it note for an entire month. You have, so you have a huge stack of yellow post-it notes at the end of the month. Then you're going to organize them into the quadrants. And then I can't remember the quadrants right now, but one of them is delegate. So, and then the other one is delete. So those two quadrants, you can knock off, you know, 75, 80% of your, your work that you're doing and outsource to other people. 
And then it's just, you know, going through the process of, okay, I need to become a manager and we got to find someone that can work, you know, within our budget to take off some of the stuff that's taken up the most time that a virtual assistant can do, which virtual assistants are lifesavers. So if you are a blogger kind of in the weeds, I highly recommend starting with a virtual assistant to outsource things too. And so what do you focus on? It sounds like you have someone who does the SEO work. You have someone who does the editorial stuff. You have a team of writers. I guess the even better question is, I mean, you're doing this with your wife, which some people might be like, there's no way I could ever work with my significant other. What are kind of you and Brittany's responsibilities in the business? So it took us a while after Brittany joined me to figure out exactly what her role is, but she's actually the CEO. She's the one that leads the vision of the, the savvy couple. She focuses on email marketing. She focuses on sales pages and product creation. So her digital products, she's very graphics oriented. So those are the kind of things she does when she gets time. We have two daughters that are very time consuming and energy draining. They're incredible and we absolutely love them. So we kind of work around their schedule, which is awesome. And then me personally, I'm, I'm focused on sponsorships. So finding brands that align with our mission with the Savvy Couple and, and partnering with them. Um, running sponsorship campaigns with them. I'm also focused heavily on SEO. So doing the backlinks, doing podcasts like this, getting our name out there. And then I'm the COO. So I kind of manage our SEO team, which uh, Justin, you asked, it's it's pretty small. We stay lean and mean. We have one editor, one writer, and then one virtual assistant. And then we did, we do have three other niche sites now. So I did, I was able to hire my brother as a website operator and he kind of runs the three niche sites for us, creating content, auditing content, and increasing revenue there. But yeah, other than that, I, I focus on Facebook ads as well, do some email marketing, and that's kind of kind of my day. You've mentioned the kids and how busy that can be um, and how just busy life can be in general. You've obviously built this up to a pretty good scale. Can you foresee a time where you're like, you know what, I just want to sell this as an asset to someone, take my lump sum and ride off into the sunset? Or do you feel like you're just way too connected to this to even consider that? Yeah, that's actually a question that we've been asking ourselves lately. We went through an intensive business coaching and they kind of set it up with where do you want your business to be? Kind of like setting your business up to make the ideal lifestyle that you want. And one of them was we do want to reach financial independence within the next five years or so. We're 31. We'd love to do it by 35, you know, at the latest 40. So we are definitely setting the savvy couple up which is definitely our baby. And it's hard for me to say this, but we are going to set it up to have an exit plan eventually. And we're going to do everything we possibly can to help our readers through the journey while we're working on it and we own it. But I do think long-term, it just makes sense to, you know, after 10 years of, of running it or however long it may be, and this may change, we may say, screw it, we're going to keep it. We love doing what we're doing, which that's the point we're at right now. It's hard to even consider kind of selling it, but I definitely think it's smart with any business you're running to have an exit plan to get that quick windfall of money and set yourself up and your kids up and create a legacy. For those listeners who are thinking right now, how in the world is Kellen going to sell a website and have enough money to be financially independent? Could you talk a little bit about like the revenue breakdown? Like how are you actually making money from the site? Whether it's, you know, I know you mentioned sponsorships, affiliates, ads, your own products. Maybe just give us a quick little pie chart. Yeah, sure. So this year, digital products are probably like 60%. So we do a lot of income through selling our budget binder and we have a chaos to control bundle that has productivity planner, cleaning planner, stuff that Britt made, which is digital products are awesome. I know Cody, you, you guys hit that heavily in your creating printables course, but yeah, there's no overhead. Once you create it, you can sell it evergreen and it's just incredible. And then we probably do about 25% affiliate, probably 10% sponsorships. And then I, whatever the rest is ads. We're on track. We made a crazy goal this year of doing 500,000 
it's a reach goal, but we could still hit it. So we're on pace. We got to have a really good fourth quarter, but we're excited because the, the business is continuing to grow. And one of your, your question was, how do you make money from selling a site like this? And this goes into our niche sites as well. Sites have become more and more popular. They're actually become more valuable. It's kind of like uh, real estate. And we were just last month, we bought another niche site. We, we spent $20,000 to buy a site that's making $800 a month. And we were at that decision, like we have some extra cash flow here. Do we get into real estate, Airbnb rental, long-term rental? And we were like, well, we have the business and systems in place now. Let's just continue to do websites because we know it. We have you know the team to run it. And I do think there's more potential with websites um, as far as like a monthly cash flow, high risk, high reward thing versus real estate. So yeah, it's kind of, you kind of take your monthly revenue, your monthly profit, and you can earn a multiplier between, you know, 30 to 40 X what that is. So really three years of what your monthly revenue is. So, you know, a site making $800 a month, you can sell for 20,000, kind of like we just purchased. And our goal with that was to find a site that's under monetized. So something that we can come in and make quick wins on either adding affiliate links or increasing traffic to it, increase that up to, uh, you know, 1500, kind of double the income and then kind of flip it and put that cash towards something else again. And you mentioned like you hope you could retire, be financially independent in five years or at least by 40. I think maybe a lot of people are listening to this and, and hearing the numbers that you're throwing around. It sounds like you could retire much quicker than that. Is there, when they think about how much maybe money they spend on an annual basis, is that something you're willing to talk about? It's kind of like, what is financially independent to you? Like how much money do you need coming in a month, uh, whether it be through, you know, like a 4% rule or passively in some form? Yeah, the numbers, anytime you're talking business, the numbers are misleading. Like we, I mean, we could say we're making 500K a year with our with our blog this year, but you, the expenses are going to be 50% of that um, with the team and with Facebook ads and all the other expenses. So I take a $5,000 salary a month. So we live off 60,000 a year and that gives us a cushion to kind of budget our money and, and live off that. And we're going to try to do that as long as we can, even with growing our family. Our low FI number is 1.5 million and our like, I guess our higher FI number would be 2.5. So we definitely want to hit that 1.5 before we hit 35, just to be financially independent and have more options, basically. And on the same thread of financial independence, early retirement, all this good stuff, what is kind of work-life balance for you right, right now? Because I mean, you and Brittany are living under the same roof with two kids and you both are working on the same business full-time. I do see you have like a guitar behind you. So do you have time for some other stuff rather than just straight business and kids? Yeah, absolutely. So this took a long time to do. Like I said, the first day I started blogging full time is 16 hour day. And I thought that that was going to be like the norm that I was going to do for years on end. But yeah, we have an absolutely incredible team. We've really developed awesome systems and processes and, and really figured out where we need to put our time in. So it's the highest value in the business to help it continue to grow. So Brittany averages probably five to 10 hours a week, and I'm right around that 15 to 20 hours a week. So nothing crazy, super blessed to be able to do that, super flexible on when we can work. And I definitely make sure that, you know, we have a home gym, so we make sure that our, you know, physical fitness, you know, we're, we're given time there. I do like to play guitar. I like to go out um, a couple times a week and play basketball or floor hockey with a couple of friends still from high school. And so yeah, work-life balance is awesome, but it took a really long time to get there. We're five five years in. I, I'd say that we haven't hit our stride until this last year. And obviously the world could change a lot by the time that your children are working age, but seeing the life that you've built, the way that you're able to work such low hours and, and make a great income, when you think about what you're trying to encourage them to do, 
do you kind of envision yourself to really try to make sure they understand that this kind of world is out there and nudge them that direction? Or, you know, just I, I'm always curious as a parent, once you've built something like this that is so different than the, the average person, if you try to urge them to kind of go down that same path. It's a tough, tough uh, question. So I definitely want to open up their mind and make sure they're well aware of like, this is the fast lane to financial freedom is owning your own business, especially an online business. But at the same time, at the end of the day, I had to go through certain hurdles and through a certain journey to get to this point and they're gonna have to do the same i can only you know we can as parents can only kind of direct them as much as we can and they're gonna have different passions than me maybe you know britney's definitely wasn't the business minded she like was born to be a teacher and now she gets to do it with personal finance is a little different but she would have never kind of came into this world unless it was both of us you know getting married and doing it together so yeah, I'll definitely, we'll definitely continue to, you know, help them start businesses when they're young and teach them about personal finance and, and show them this is kind of the way to financial freedom to do it fast instead of doing it the slow, the slow way with the nine to five. But at the end of the day, it's going to come up to their passions and, and what they want to do and what's going to give them happiness in life. And it sounds like you've built a business to now it's at a point where you and Brittany are kind of sitting way up high, looking down, like you can think big strategy rather than being in the weeds, doing all the day-to-day stuff. I know you mentioned, I think you said online course, you mentioned some kind of community. What other types of things are you working on for the Savvy Couple? Right now, we are currently creating a course. Well, like I announced it today, actually, we're creating a course on sponsorships. So how to get businesses and or bloggers and online business owners to land sponsorships, because this was really the kind of the gasoline that was poured on the fire when Brittany was going to quit her job is we, I figured out how to land sponsorships and inland high, high end sponsorships that are paying us tens of thousands of dollars. So really helping other bloggers and business owners do that because most of the time they're just one-offs, but there's so many different companies you can work with. And if you can get a company that wants to work with you over and over again, that's where the real money's made. And it's just such an incredible cash flow that you can put into your business to put into more content or to hire another VA or whatever it may be. So that's currently the course we're making in like the make money niche. And we're also going to continue to build out our funnel and the save money and make a, a quick course there to help people save their thousand dollar emergency fund as quickly as possible. I'm glad to hear it's graduated past the, uh, the $50 sponsorship that made you feel comfortable to quit that job. Yeah. <laughs> and what's crazy is that I'm pretty sure. And if I'm remembering this correctly, it was a while ago, they offered a hundred dollars and I felt bad taking a hundred at the time. Cause we didn't make any money with the blog. So I was like, I'll 50 is fine. We'll, we'll call it good. Mm-mm. So yeah, we've definitely upgraded from that mindset and getting that low of, a, of an income with sponsorships. And when you're talking about this course around sponsors, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, you know what, that's what I need. I need to figure out a way to monetize. Like sponsors sounds like a great way. What is the price of something like that run? What does it look like? Like how long does it take them to get through it? Like just the investment from a time and money perspective. I would say from a time standpoint, it can be probably your best ROI on an online business especially if you have a team that can do the work for you, because I kind of just do the negotiating and, and pitching brands. But the big thing for us, we don't do any price sheet. We we find brands that align with us and then we reach out, get them interested. And it makes sense for them. It's kind of micro-influencing. And we have an audience that a lot of companies want to get in front of. We've built that trust. It's their ideal avatar that could be their ideal customer. So they're kind of taking a shortcut to get in front of them by using our audience and us using our assets. So we're able to do that and we kind of package every single sponsorship as a package that's unique to that brand. Um, so we don't have any standard package and and we always, which is going to be a tip in the course is you got to ask their budget. It's a, it's like a dance. It's a negotiation. If you come out and say, hey, we, we can do a sponsorship for 1500 bucks, they're going to jump all over most likely. 
because that's like nothing compared to what these brands actually have in their pockets to, to do on marketing. So it's really figuring out how to get them to tell you their budget and then figuring out what their needs are and w- what problems they have and then solving those in a, in a package and deal and, and kind of going from there off their budget. That's so interesting that you're saying that now because that's something I literally just kind of learned this past week at FinCon. I went to the session from John and David. They have the Queer Money podcast and they were just, the numbers that they were talking about with the sponsors they were getting were astronomical. And they have very similar download numbers to me and Justin. And I'm like, what are we doing wrong? And you know, <laughs> I, I ended up beefing up our media kit a bunch. I literally spent a bunch of hours on it yesterday, leaving the prices off, but it sounds like it's that thing. It's asking them what their budget is and then kind of making the negotiations from there. Totally. Yep. Basing it off what their their needs are versus kind of a package that you have. And a shortcut from that I can give you right now tip is if you're looking for brands to work with, we have a big sheet of 100 brands on an Excel sheet, just like our Dream 100, we call it, that all align with our business. Go to, just like the Queer Money podcast, go to their podcast, see who they're working with. If that company is paying them, they're most likely looking for other people to partner with too. So you can go across the entire niche and look at other podcasts and see who they're partnering with and then kind of figure out the point of contact you need to reach out to. Well, Kellen, thanks so much for coming on today. I mean, a lot of great information. It's a really cool story too. I mean, where you didn't necessarily start out the way I've seen a lot of people start out. You built this thing from scratch, but now you got this team. Whereas Cody was saying earlier, you can just kind of look down and be strategic. And uh, I think it'll be really inspiring to our listeners. And if people want to continue to hear more about what you're up to, where is the best place for them to kind of contact or follow along with you? Yeah. So we're trying to grow our YouTube channel. So check us out there, The Savvy Couple on YouTube. But yeah, we're on every social media platform. So Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, you can find us at The Savvy Couple. So happy to help you start an online business or help you with all your finances, whether it's investing, saving money, making a side hustle. We're here to help. And as always, if you want to check out our Facebook group page, you can do so at thefyshow.com slash community. And we always appreciate those five-star reviews. They help us get great guests like we had today. And if you're interested in supporting The Fi Show, you can do so by checking out some of our partners over at the resources page, which can be found at thefyshow.com slash resources. And thanks for listening.